we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, the word is monkeypox, and uh, you're seeing this in the news cycle uh, a lot right now. And he, here's the, the oddity about this is, uh, I guess at least to me it is, this is a, a disease that has been around since the late 1950s, basically. Uh, first report in laboratory monkeys, that sort of thing. And then humans uh, were first uh, noted with it uh, back in Congo, in the the Republic of the Congo, back in the early 70s. So it's it's a it's a um, disease that's been around a long time. And in fact, I believe it's the World Health Organization, yes, um, it says there are now 92 confirmed cases in 12 different countries, uh, more under investigation. Uh, and we're talking United Kingdom, Italy, uh, Sweden, Portugal, Belgium, Germany, uh, a whole bunch there, and the U.S. as well. Uh, and uh, so there's quite a bit happening here with this story now. And of course, a lot of questions. Everybody has a whole lot of questions on this one here. So welcome into America Out Loud Pulse, my friends. This is uh, Malcolm Out Loud here, uh, along with Dr. Peter McCullough. Is there a real sudden uh, uptick of this thing where it is spread in all kinds of circles or is this being overstated? I mean, I don't really know. I haven't talked to you about it. What do you think? Are you going bananas over monkeypox? I have to tell you, (laughs) I had to get that in there. Uh, monkeypox, <laughs> as you mentioned, first discovered 1958, first human case 1970, U.S. outbreak in 2003, 70 suspected cases, about four dozen confirmed, no deaths in the United States back in 2003 with no medications. Then in 2019, a flurry of papers, uh, mm-hmm. Simpson, uh, B- uh, Beer, uh, these are the first authors basically outlining a strategy to deal with monkeypox as a a proposed bioterrorism threat. Importantly, what came out of these papers and these analyses, as cases actually have slowly risen over the years, um, is the following. If you've had the smallpox vaccine as a child, which means most people in America over age 50, uh, if you had the smallpox vaccine, you're protected against monkeypox. Just take that off your concern list. Uh, That's a large number of people. Number two, it is a uh, mild form of a pox disease. There's also camel pox, cow pox, and smallpox. It's pustular lesions all over. It's spread by kissing, uh, sexual intercourse, breaking the pustules. Uh, you really have to get kind of down and dirty with somebody who has uh, monkeypox in order to spread it. And, uh, and then importantly, in 2018, uh, a therapy came forward called uh, ticoviramat, also known as TPOX. It's an oral drug taken twice a day, safe and effective to treat this. It's also been made uh, available in intravenous form, approved in the last few days by the US FDA. The other thing that's come forward is a vaccine by a company called Genios, Genios, and it's a live attenuated vaccine against this double-stranded DNA virus. So we have a lot of, uh, in a sense, defense weapons here if there is a, a real bona fide monkey uh, monkeypox threat to our country and the world. Now, you mentioned with us, if you've had the vaccine as a child, a smallpox vaccine, uh, there's no concern. What um, what level of the population would you guesstimate have had that? 
uh, probably at least half, right? So those people over age 50, the smallpox uh, was eradicated, uh, declared eradicated in 1972. They stopped vaccinating in 1976. So it's around about people age 50 or so uh, would have had it. it. Countries differed in terms of the phase out of it. Um, I had to check with my mom, Malcolm, and she reassured me that I had it. So yeah, um, I personally have no worries. Yeah, I had it as well, which is why I knew. But no, are they not? Uh, kids are not getting that anymore. Is that what you just said? Right. Since uh, 1976, in most locations, they, uh, since that. Why is that? Forward, Do you know? I, di- I didn't know that. Why uh, is that? It, it was effectively eradicated. Now, oh, I see. Uh, smallpox is still in a few labs around the world. It's contained in labs. And the concern is if there was ever a lab leak, it would get out again. Uh, you know, with previous smallpox years ago, it could be an overwhelming infection. And there were fatalities uh, early with monkeypox. Some of the very early studies decades ago, there were some deaths with monkeypox, but they occurred in regions where there wasn't very good health care or in men with advanced HIV in Africa. We've never had a U.S. death of monkeypox. Uh, largely, it's an issue. It's almost like chickenpox. You just have to stay inside and wait till the blisters uh, heal up. You mentioned a bit ago here, and, and, and I, don't, I wasn't aware of this. You, you, you said the words bioterrorism. What, what is the link to that? Is that the sense that that could be used as a bioterrorism? I don't understand. Yeah, it sure is. I, I mean, uh, the CDC actually, in a paper uh-huh. uh, published in April, uh, just last month in 2022, uh, uh, had a, uh, a 30-some-odd author block describing a case in Dallas. There was a man from uh, Nigeria who came to Atlanta and then Dallas, and he was all over the place, developed monkeypox. They finally figured out what he had. They put him in the hospital, mainly just to contain him, uh, and they they confirmed that he had monkeypox. They gave him ticoviramat. He uh, responded just fine. But the interesting thing is they checked every single contact he he had through this time period, weeks of having it. And you know what? He didn't spread it to a single one. But I noticed that in the author block from the CDC and the MMWR, uh, the title of the group is called the Monkeypox Response Team. So the CDC has had a big team on this, uh, must be for quite some time. And then fast forward, uh, the reason why people are a bit skeptical of what's going on is the Nuclear Threat Initiative, which is a think tank out of Washington, D.C., met uh, in Munich at a Munich biosecurity conference in March of 2021. And they had a tabletop exercise for a monkeypox outbreak, a bioterrorism outbreak of a strain of monkeypox that uh, wouldn't be responsive to a vaccine. Uh, and they estimated, you know, tens of millions of lives lost. The thing about this, this wow. was a very realistic simulation, Malcolm. They had um, uh, a release date for monkeypox being May 15th of 2022, just seven days ahead of the World Health Organization meetings. It was just too much of a coincidence. And so suddenly, right around the time of WHO in the Davos WAF meetings, we hear about monkeypox. Wow. I mean, you use the word coincidence. I, I mean, what are we implying? The world has been primed now for any new thing. We've heard about Marburg virus and hemorrhagic fever, monkeypox. There still are scenes from China with SARS-CoV-2 where the police are wearing hazmat suits. I mean, we're talking about uh, almost a group a psychology of hypervigilance and, and fear far in excess of reality. All right. So bringing all that forward now, uh, Dr. McCullough, I see that um, here's, here's what gets me now. You, all right. 
It doesn't spread easily. So it does not spread easily. You've already indicated that. And I, and I knew that just researching this and looking at it. It's been around a long time. They've had these various strategic meetings, things of that nature. Uh, oddly enough, uh, if one of these bad cats were going to pick a bioterrorism weapon, I wouldn't imagine it would be monkeypox based on everything we just said. But put that aside a moment here. So the president of the United States, um, Joe Biden, uh, in the last um, couple of days, here came out and said uh, that everybody and quotes with everybody inclusive should be concerned about an increase in monkeypox cases in Europe and the United States was his message to the nation. Although the the uh, report also went on to say he hadn't really uh, um, he, he admitted he hadn't really received a lot of information on this yet from advisors, but had put that declarative statement out there that everybody should be concerned with an increase and that take precautions. And then uh, here's another thing. The White House National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, uh, told reporters that the United States has vaccines relevant to treating monkeypox, which we just touched on. Uh, they immediately segue to that. But what do you think about this? Um, I, I'm just I'm really taken back a little bit by I don't know. The, you know, we've been down these roads before, but the fear factor and all and this heightened aware uh, claims awareness that people are sort of going through these emotions now with, oh, my golly, not here's not another one. What do you make of that? I think this uh, should not have risen to commentary by the president. I think the president needs much better health advisors. This is like any other. Listen, there's other cases of other illnesses out there. We don't need to raise it to the president who's just not positioned to give a comment on this. We need to verify these cases. You know, there's at least four examples on the internet where people are reporting cases and they're using old pictures. You can find the old pictures from years ago on it. So, uh, you know, we need some independent verification of cases before this spins out of control. There was a bona fide case in Dallas last summer. Nobody made a big deal out of it. Yeah, that's that's well said what you say there, brother. Uh, uh, and by the way, I just want to mention uh, to the point of what you're just talking about. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. Belgium uh, has become the first country uh, uh, to introduce a mandatory 21 day, 21 days, three weeks monkeypox quarantine for those who uh, contract the virus after they have several cases there. Um, and is, is that a little extreme in these cases or? Well, it would be 21 days for or longer for someone who has it, who has the pustular lesions. This guy in Dallas, you know, they had to literally keep them under wraps uh, for a few weeks until it clears up, but not for people who came in contact with it. Can you imagine people, uh, in a sense, putting themselves in prison for weeks? It doesn't transmit that readily. Now, what's happened in uh, apparently in Antwerp, uh, there's been some reports unconfirmed of um, of some type of uh, gay um yeah. you know, rave or yeah. some where there was must have been a lot of uh, close contact, sexual contact or skin to skin contact, uh, salivary. And uh, there the this emanation of the spread, all that needs to be confirmed. But come on, Malcolm, if you're minding your own business, uh, there's really no threat here at all. That's a great way to say it. If you listen to that, friends, if, you, if you're minding your own business and being a good boy or a good girl, yeah, that's exactly it, what you say there. Uh, that's uh, pretty well said. Yeah, I see that other report from CNBC as you're just speaking about the sex part of the monkeypox outbreak is primarily spread through sex. I've seen some of our hosts on the network actually start talking about it last night, saying, no, it's not a gay disease. No, it's not this or that. It's not, you know, there's a lot of talk about that with the, uh, the whole HIV thing and, and all of that. So, 
Uh, now, it's spread more easily through that, but that's, like you say, any close, intimate relations of, of those little pus pockets could be a problem, as it would be with any disease. Is that not correct? Right. And there's a couple important points about HIV for, okay. for any listeners who have HIV or family members or patients. Um, the deaths that have been recorded in these uh, papers that I've reviewed, Simpson, uh, Beer, and others, um, the deaths that have occurred in HIV men with monkeypox, you know, they were pretty severely ill with HIV. One of the proposed solutions uh, is protection with a live attenuated vaccine. We cannot give live attenuated vaccines to HIV positive men because it's out of bounds. In fact, the, the virus vaccine itself could be virulent. So the vaccines are not a solution. And we saw former uh, FDA commissioner and now uh, conflicted, uh, conflict of interest uh, financial board member of Pfizer uh, promoting monkeypox vaccines on CNBC. Scott Gottlieb did this, and he was uh, proposing rim or perimeter vaccination. So people who came in contact with some monkeypox would have to take this live attenuated Genios vaccine. The Genios vaccine has uh, only been approved based on in vitro antibody studies. It's never been proven to protect anybody from monkeypox or smallpox. Uh, the vaccine's a live attenuated uh, set of shots and you have to take one and then one a month later. It's gonna be too late to try to do this perimeter vaccination approach. And not only that, there's great concerns on this vaccine also causing heart damage. Uh, and there are case reports of young men getting heart damage with it. It doesn't go away in elevations in blood tests, cardiac troponin. Wow. Wow. With what you say there. I mean, it's like, wow, that's what we're seeing all over the place with, uh, with, with COVID and all. And now you say that I was going to ask you about the safety mechanism with those. Um, that is remarkable. And you got to remember here, uh, Dr. McCullough, we, you know, the nation, the families, people have been traumatized uh, with just with the word vaccine. Now, I mean, there's been a lot of damage that officials have caused with vaccines in this i say this sadly now with vaccines that are very effective uh and that do work and it, you know again people want to suggest or think that we're all anti-vax over here that couldn't be further from the truth uh well we're, we're anti-voodoo uh medicine and crazy stuff um but it's not true at all and but i think the damage that's been done with that is i don't know that we'll ever recover from this trauma with vaccines there's a lot of damage been done with officials you know nobody talks about that but don't you think it's true even uh fox correspondent john roberts tweeted out um, about chest pain after vaccination of myocarditis he got thousands of response americans have been burned with these covid 19 vaccines now a paper just hit uh, on PLOS, first author is Sharma and colleagues showing that even in the clinical trials, in the sites where there was more prevalent COVID-19 in the communities, the vaccines were failing. The vaccines were failing even in clinical trials, and it was basically buried. Uh, so Americans, you know, I, I'm almost now at the point, I can't think of a single person who took the vaccine that was actually protected against COVID. They all mm. got it anyway. Wow. Wow. I mean, I just think of the questions that come in. And if you're writing a question in here to say, well, if I do this and this and this, you think I should take it? Or if it saves my ex, you think I should take it? Or, I mean, you, you, you have to be really not thinking properly if you're even considering giving this to your loved one at this point. I cannot imagine there would be any condition on the planet because if you don't have your health, if you don't have your life, 
you really got nothing. Doesn't matter what the college or the job or the 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 the, the relationship is. You you have zero. I mean, that's the thing. I just it it's remarkable that people are still considering this. And as you just say, this other one with the, the myocarditis problems in the heart. I mean, this is an underlying massive problem with these vaccines. They're not vetted properly. They're not doing their job. Um, it, it is unbelievable. Well. This this whole monkeypox thing. And, you know, I think one last real fast point, I, I, Dr. McCullough. I, all right. So I can sense people. Here's what people are going to. There's going to be questions coming in here. I'm just thinking ahead here because I know how our listeners think and uh, how folks think out there. And what they're going to say next is they're going to be concerned for their children who don't have that smallpox uh, vaccine that we had as as um, uh, people that are in a different age bracket, Dr. McCullough. So they're going to be thinking, OK. Oh, do I, should I get that for my child or should I go back and get that vaccine? I mean, I just see there's going to be a lot of questions about that, thinking that I want to protect my kids under all concern and with whatever, even though there's really not a risk. What do you think about that? I just think now's the time for prudence. I, I wouldn't be going to any wild parties and, uh, you know, you see somebody who looks sick who has blisters on their hands and arms. It's really pathognomonic, meaning you can see the blisters readily on the hands and arms. Steer clear. Uh, we ought to readily recognize these cases in the emergency rooms and urgent care centers. The treatment is oral ticoviramat or TPOX. We have a strategic stockpile of it. They got it for the patient in Dallas without a problem. It's also available intravenously. So I think our first reaction would be Get, get these people you know, at home. We can treat them at home. If they have to be hospitalized, uh, that's okay too. And then let's just give them ticoviramab, the appropriate drug, which is safe and effective. Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, all right. One, one other um, quick story that we'll get to all the questions. We've got a lot of, a lot of questions, but listen, we just got a great education with monkeypox. And this was awesome to be able to talk with you up front about this. It's great to bring relevant news on America Out Loud Pulse with you. And this is a big story. I think we put a lot of questions and calmed them down. If you listen to this back and really understand what we just discussed, uh, there's one of the news points. I don't know if you, oh, well, I know you've seen this, obviously, but um, uh, higher COVID-19 infection rates among vaccinated children than unvaccinated. The CDC data shows this. And I just want to bring this up because there's such a push to get the kids vaccinated. We just had this conversation a moment ago, and but here we are. So it, it, here's what I want to say. There, there's about 28.8%, so just shy of 30% of children in this age group who, who have been fully vaccinated. The Mayo Clinic reports that. Now, according to this data, Dr. McCullough, released by the CDC, the higher COVID-19 case rates have been recorded among fully vaccinated children than unvaccinated in that age group that we talked about last week, 5 to 11. Um, now, on February 12th, the CDC reported a weekly case rate of, of uh, 250 uh, per 100,000 population and fully vaccinated children aged 5 to 11, compared to 245 for unvaccinated children in the same age group. Uh, anything to make of this? Now, this is now shown in the childhood CDC data, the Walgreens tracker data, Canadian data, and then all the way across uh, Europe, those who are more heavily vaccinated actually have a higher risk for COVID. Part of that is because the unvaccinated, many have already had the illness and they're just not going to take the vaccine. So they look so much better than the vaccinated. And part of it is that the vaccines actually may weaken immunity. And there's some recent data suggest that, and they make COVID a little bit more difficult to treat. And uh, in fact, last night I was on uh, pre-tape on Fox News talking about rebound, that maybe those who are vaccinated actually get the illness and are more likely to rebound after a course of therapy, particularly Paxlovid. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So there you go. That's some of the top stories, uh, my friends. Let's jump into some of the questions. You have a couple here and then a little bit of more information for you. This one is from, uh, well, this is actually cool. This is from Lisa, actually. And, you know, we, we respond to all the questions when you send them in, when we do talk about them on the show. So, so we, so that, you know, you can hear it on podcast or on the live talk radio. And this one came in from Lisa and she responded and said, I heard the answer when it was posted on Friday. Uh, she said, thank you, Malcolm. You call it like it is. And we so appreciate it. Love, love these Q and A's with Dr. McCullough. Where else could we get current and real information? Nowhere other than America Out Loud Pulse. And, you know, Dr. McCullough, that just raised my spirits right there. It's true. You know, we're working hard on this, giving fair evidence-based answers. I am disappointed in our federal agencies, our medical schools, hospitals, clinics. No one else seems to be picking up the load of just delivering the answers to the world on SARS-CoV-2. And I guess that's our position and our calling in this world. Amen. Amen. And people appreciate it. I see the outpour and uh, people always reference the dark world and the light that they get here. So it is, I mean, believe me, it is a blessing beyond blessings that we have the opportunity here to make a difference. I, it, it, it lifts my spirit, my soul up uh, for sure, to be sure with you. Uh, this one is from a doctor from uh, Stockholm, uh, Dr. Maria. Uh, Brolin, I will say that. I don't normally give last names, but this is a doctor who uh, was uh, okay with that. She said, my name is Dr. Maria Brolin. I'm a medical doctor in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, I know Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough is wonderfully generous and willing to share his data and different studies he is referring to in different interviews he's always given. I am about to have a meeting with some other medical doctors in Stockholm who still believe in vaccination. I was hoping to be able to find some of Dr. McCullough's amazing a presentation material like stats, statistics, studies that have been done, et cetera. Would you be able to help me maybe with a way for me to find this? Is there a website where Dr. McCullough shares any of that? Or uh, is there a source of contact or anything you can share at all with me? Ask Dr. Maria Brolin. I, I wanted to get that in up front here, uh, Dr. McCullough. What do you say? The best place to go for or articles organized into topics. So for instance, vaccine failure, vaccine side effects, the failure of masks, Go to the Brownstone Institute. It's run by Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, Dr. Paul Alexander is a major contributor. And I tell you, that's the best organization. Every link is goes to one of the original papers. Okay. All right. That, and that's a great resource. So there you go, uh, uh, Dr. Maria Brolin. I hope that helps you. And thank you for all the work you're doing out there uh, in the name of truth. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing for humanity, uh, actually, here. Now, this is our uh, 25th uh, Q&A here, uh, as we're talking to you, believe it or not, uh, as well as delivering the news here on America Out Loud Pulse. Uh, all these shows are heard Monday through Friday, my, my friends, uh, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and the encore is always at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. But listen, you hear it in any time zone, anywhere in the world, rest assured. And you can hear it on iHeartRadio. You can hear it on our amazing apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. And they're amazing because they work, <laughs> is what I always say. Uh, but they stream the radio live, and they're just beautiful because you take it with you on your phone or your tablet. So I just want to mention that to you. We have a world-class media player as well, any browser, anywhere. The idea is to bring relevant 
relevant, topical, great information uh, to the American public. That's our goal here is to lift people up. You, you follow me? That's what this is all about. Lift people up. That's that's the goal. Liberty and justice for all. Uh, it's it's a higher call. And it's it's it's, it's the best way I can explain it. You know, um, we've all been dealing with the traumatization of many, many different factors. And I want to talk to Dr. McCullough a moment ago, I mean, right now, actually, about, uh, um, you know, I've been traumatized myself because I went through with my wife the, the, um, the, um, the whole COVID thing and ICU in 10 days, just escaped a, a, a ventilator, barely. And we were blessed, beyond blessed, to be able to have the opportunity to move forward in life again. I thought I had lost her then. And then this past week, she contracted COVID a second time, which of course, early on, we thought that couldn't happen, but we know the rules change with Omicron friends. And, you know, trauma set into me, Dr. McCullough, you know, I was really traumatized with this hit hit in me that she had it again because she had those spiked really, really high fevers like they scare the hell out of you. And she went down immediately sleeping and I thought, oh, my God. And of course, I immediately got the ivermectin. I immediately got healthy cell overdose. And I, I mean, as much as I can give her of all of those, uh, you know, the, the, the vitamin D3, the zinc, uh, the echinacea, the elderberry, all that stuff that gets into your immune system. It's just a little bit more to tip it over to the positive rather than to be, you know, succumbed to all that. We did all that. Uh, we were doing all the things in the protocol, your protocol, that uh, and immediately, and I got to tell you, by the grace of God, that next, uh, about a day and a half later, she was responding beautifully. Um, so I was like, because you know what I started to say to myself, I, I have to just be honest with you, when that happened, I woke up that next morning at six o'clock in a panic attack. And I said, God, don't do this to me now, please do not do this to me. Do not take her from me now. And what do we, I mean, I can't do round two of this thing because we went through hell the first time. Um, and of course, I spoke to you about all this while it was happening in real time. Um, a lot of people uh, might experience this sort of thing that I just went through. What do you say to that? You know, this is a good example of trusting natural immunity. Uh, her prior infection conferred protection against serious outcomes such as hospitalization and death. But, you know, given concerns that when you had a first severe case of COVID, could the second case be severe? I think it is prudent to have a limited sequence multidrug approach for the Omicron variant. In this case, we use the nutraceutical supplements. We also use the iodine uh, virucidal oh, therapy yes. in the yes. nose. But uh, importantly, I found patients are responsive to uh, appropriate weight-dosed ivermectin, 600 micrograms per kilogram, mm. and that's how much we gave. Uh, and just for a few days, this is different than using Paxlovid. And again, you'll hear about this Paxlovid re rebound. Now, I'm using Paxlovid in my practice, as I should. It is FDA EUA approved. But my experience and experience in D is that it, it's not as dynamic as the drug as ivermectin. Ivermectin really gets people better quick. Yeah, there it is right there. So thank you for what you just said. That, that was music to my ears. And thank you for reminding me. I forgot almost a moment with my absent-minded here with so much going with the, uh, the, the povidine iodine and the nasal. So one other caveat I got to share with you, friends, and back to Dr. McCullough's point here. So we started using the Cofix Rx. Now, she had never used it before. And I was so, again, I was hyper-traumatized. Uh, call it what you want. Uh, I'd rather be a little more paranoid than not. 
I mean, life and death is, 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 is a big deal. And I, I just went at it and hit it as hard and heavy as I could. I, I was scared again. And the Copix RX, she started using that immediately because we know that would attack. If you really get it up into the nasal cavity all the way back, it will get after that. So we use the Copix RX, which I have to tell you, and, and you know, here's the other thing, Dr. McCullough, her mom, she was staying with her mom. Her mom was, um, has, has been ailing and she's in her 80s and she's having some challenges of health. But, you know, he was trying to walk her through some of these things. And so her mom had never had COVID, never had vaccine, never had never had any. It's amazing. I mean, after all the problems she's had, nothing, no problem with it at all. But we know that this would kill her if she got it. There's no doubt about it because with the comorbidity she has, it, it would just kill her. There's no question in my mind. We immediately got the Cofix Rx into her hands because that would be the key just to get that pathogen out of the nasal. So it didn't get into her respiratory tract, into your lungs. And you know, she's used that every eight hours, that Cofix. I have to tell you, Dr. McCullough, she escaped everything. Even in the same building as my wife, the same home. Is that not unbelievable or what? It's really a testimony to the strategy. We have the same thing going on in my place. I have a 98-year-old and 89-year-old. The 89-year-old just got a viral upper respiratory tract infection. My wife has gotten it. We have everybody on Cofix RX, and we're trying to limit spread. I haven't gotten it, and the 98-year-old hasn't got it. So not only does it reduce the intensity and duration of symptoms in the person who's sick, but it also provides some protection against spread within the household. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And both my wife and my and, and her mom, my mom-in-law, uh, started taking that aggressively eight, every eight hours, a couple of squirts up on the nasal, get it way, way, way back there, and uh, then, you know, spit it out as necessary, what have you, and that does the job. And then with the ivermectin and the healthy, I mean, I got to tell you, friends, wow, wow, wow. I, I mean, talk about being blessed. So he, here's, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to break outside. I'm going to stay right here. We're going to come, we're going to come right into the questions right now. But let me just tell you, so you have Cofix RX. A lot of people write and say, how do I get it? How do I get it? The, kid, the banner ads are right there at americaoutloud.com. You hear this, go look at it and click the Cofix and then get that right there. You get 20% off the order. You have to use the code out loud. So cofixrx.com forward slash out loud or click the banner ad and you get the 20% off. That's how you do it. Okay. As well uh, as healthy cell, healthy cell, uh, immune super boost. Wow. What a product. I mean, vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract. I mean, it's like a it's like a bomb for your immune system. Uh, be taking that. I take a couple of those little packets, the micro gels a day uh, to really impact your body. And I put mine in a little bit of water, but most people right out of the package take it and you get 20% off of that. Got to use the code out loud. And we've had a long relationship with healthy cells. So 20% off of that as well, or click the banner ad back in America. That's how you say, but just get these for your family, get them for your loved ones. The co-fix, everybody should have a bottle of that without doubt. Let's jump in now to a lot of questions and move it along here. We've just got a whole education on a whole lot and a personal story as well. So um, be blessed, my friends, always be blessed. This one is from Jared. Uh, he says, um, I'm praying for a reply as it's been very tough getting a doctor who understands our concern. <laughs> my wife is 24 weeks pregnant and has a, a zero negative blood O negative, rather, uh, and uh, and I'm A positive. Yep. We're healthy mid-30s and are unvaccinated. If she takes the RH immune shot to prevent uh, the hemolytic disease in the 
in the baby, can she get the adverse effects of the vax if the blood donor was C19 vax? Will her and her baby's DNA be altered, Dr. McCullough? No, he's talking about the use of Rogam. And I can tell you in the blood supply now, the seroprevalence is estimated to be so high of people who have anti-SARS-CoV-2 antibodies that I just don't think it was a concern. We originally had a concern with the blood supply early in 2021, uh, but those uh, have not borne out. We haven't seen significant transfusion reactions. I haven't heard about any uh, Rogam reactions. And so I think we took prudent measures, notified the Association of American Clinical uh, Blood Banking, as well as American Red Cross. In fact, after this, I'm going to go donate blood. And one of the uh, advantages of donating blood, Malcolm, is they always uh, do do a test for SARS-CoV-2 and they do the ortho. The one I'm going to is Carter Blood Center. They do the orthoclinical diagnostics and it's a good way to check your seroprevalence status. Okay. Uh, this one's from Ron. Why do some people experience lower back pain right after Omicron? Any I think idea? it's, yeah, it's just general uh, body aches that occur as the uh, virus and is, has affected the body. Generally, we're clearing out the spike protein. Uh, the back is what's called the retroperitoneum. You can feel general back aches, by the way, with influenza and other viral infections. Yeah, we're talking fatigue here. Fatigue is the key word after this COVID hits you. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it's a, it attacks everybody. I don't think anybody escapes that, by the way. Uh, it, it's what it does to your body, the spike protein is very clear. Uh, Kim says, what length of time does natural immunity give me with Omicron? Uh, I've had no jabs, thank you. Kim from New Zealand. What, what do you say? Estimates are lifetime. You know, with SARS-CoV-1, it was at least 18 years now. Uh, the data suggests that T-cell immunity is durable. The antibody immunity fades away in everybody, but it's the T-cells and natural killer cells in the nose and the sinus that are ready to recognize the next uh, exposure to SARS-CoV-2 and then fight it off with the immune system. So I would say lifetime right now, unless we learn otherwise. Okay. All right. This one is from Imelda. My 62-year-old husband took the jab and two boosters against my better judgment. He has been generally healthy pre-jabs and boosters. He exercised by walking, riding bike for eight miles every day. Wow. In mid-March, while riding his bike, he felt chest pains. Chest pains continued when he exercised. Uh, so he stopped exercising and subsequently had an EKG stress test done. Cardio then said he needed to also do the myocardial perfusion test since result from EKG showed blockage. He was also due for the second booster. He asked three, listen to this now. This, this is why this is like, I, I mean, I just can't wrap my mind around this, this point here. He asked three health personnel if he would be all right to take the booster shot right after the myocardial test. They all said, yes, yes, wouldn't be a problem at all. Um, you know, since it leaves the body, the, the uh, isotope uh, leaves the body right away. On the night after the myocardial test and booster jab, my husband felt the chest pains again while at rest. He continues to have chest pains off and on now, even while laying down. He's taking baby aspirin and, and nitroglycerin as prescribed by the doctor. Wow. My questions. Is it too late to get a deep dimer test to determine clots? Uh, could the chemical injection for the myocardial perfusion test and booster shot make the chest pains worse? What do you think? Malcolm, you know, I can't give direct medical advice, but I can tell you as a cardiologist, my goodness, this guy needs a heart catheterization. It sounds like he's got critical blockages. Um, taking a booster shot, if it dropped blood pressure, if it caused 
uh, inflammatory changes or blood clots could lead to a fatal heart attack. I think, you know, in this case, uh, you know, move in all due speed to get a heart catheterization before there is a cardiovascular disaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he ends it with this, 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 was it medically safe to have the booster jab on the same day with the chemical injection for the myocardial perfusion test? If not, why not? Do you want to answer that or you want me? No. Well, in, this, in a setting of somebody who doesn't have critical coronary disease, the myocardial perfusion study, it usually uses technetium 99 uh, in maybe it, It's not going to influence anything taking the vaccine. There's no interaction there. It's just in this case, the clinical scenario is progressive chest pain. Now, chest pain almost at rest. That's what's called unstable angina. That requires an urgent heart catheterization. There you go. All right. Uh, Imelda, there you go. There's the information for you and your husband again. Again, always consult your physicians. As Dr. McCullough just stated, we can't get into personal nuances. This is educational purposes. Uh, so please, check. you have to know that. Okay. It's important we say that. So, um, Becky. It says, uh, my husband received the first Moderna vaccine in March of 21. He proceeded to become very jaundiced. By June, he was admitted to the hospital with acute liver failure. He was told to stop drinking and he did. He began to improve. He had been encouraged over and over to finish the Moderna series. He had almost succumbed to that pressure, but I keep pushing back. I have nearly lost him again and again since then. And he has now been diagnosed with stage four cirrhosis. Wow. The doctors and nurses are continuing to push the vaccines. Meanwhile, telling us how close he is to dying from liver failure. Basically, I wonder who could we talk to? I don't want to believe it's too late to save my husband. But whatever happens, if the vaccine did this to him, I want people to learn the truth. Kind of hard to know what it is in this case, isn't it, Dr. McCullough? It's true. Again, can't give direct medical advice, but I can tell you the vaccines have caused hepatitis in adults through different mechanisms, either autoimmune hepatitis uh, cholestatic hepatitis, or even reactivation of hepatitis C, which was fatal in one elderly case. Uh, but this one has the um, cadence of alcohol-related liver disease. Now, alcohol-related liver disease uh, is one that will progress all the way to um, ascites, abdominal swelling, jaundice, and, um, and you know, it has really no hope unless someone completely stops drinking. The problem of giving a vaccine on top of alcohol induced liver disease is actually causing blood clotting and bleeding at the same time. In alcoholic-related liver disease, the platelet count goes low. And if vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpurea sets in, it can be fatal. I think in this case, based on the liver situation, the vaccine should not be administered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any idea, a lot of people ask, uh, like, what creates this liver disease? How, as a doctor, how many drinks do you have to, I mean, what is the rule there? Is there a rule there before you're really messing up your liver uh, from a health standpoint? Is there a, any kind of a, a, you know, a point there? It's almost always daily alcohol use. And I would probably put it at over four drinks a day each. Wow. Drink has about 15 grams of alcohol. I would put it at that level. Many of the listeners know I'm a teetotaler. I don't drink a drop of alcohol. So I, I think there's a lot of benefits of being completely alcohol-free, but others have differing views. But it would be probably in excess of four drinks a day. Okay. So, all right. Very interesting. All right, cool, cool. Uh, but you never do, like if you're, you don't ever have a glass of wine. 
Yes, you just don't. Do, okay, some people don't. They just don't touch. Is it that you don't like it, or you just don't want to risk the health with your body, or does it matter? Or no, I know what it tastes like, and and my body earlier in life uh, probably had a tendency towards liking it too much. And I think for people who can sense their body uh, going in that direction, the best thing to do is abstain from alcohol. I haven't had a drop in, in decades. Wow, fascinating. Okay, all right. Steve says my thirty-one-year-old friend died a few days after booster. Uh, flew for, for a business trip from Maine to California and died in his sleep at a hotel he was staying at. Wow. After months of waiting, the toxicology came back clean. Cause of death was unexplained. Nocturnal death. Not sure of any correlation, but doesn't feel right as Matt was healthy after the boost of what kind of hard to say what happened there, huh? Well, in the absence of an autopsy, I would think about a pulmonary embolism. He developed a blood clot on the plane. Plane had shot to his uh, lungs and heart and killed him in the hotel room. If he didn't have an open autopsy, that could never be discovered. Uh, the vaccines clearly trigger, trigger fatal heart attacks. And then, of course, fatal myocarditis. Uh, those would be uh, most likely. If he's had toxicology, that means he's had blood testing that would rule out fatal vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpurea. But it's sad. Uh, the vaccines are clearly related to these deaths. All the life insurance companies now are reporting record claims on people dying with life insurance. And the only new factor in 2021 has been introduction of the vaccines. Wouldn't it be interesting if the if the life insurance companies came out and said now, uh, wouldn't it be what a turn of events if they said, I don't this just came to me, but like if you're vaccinated, you have to pay like a premium price or something for the policy. I don't know that that would happen. Of course, it could if there's getting there about profits. Bottom line, wouldn't that be a fascinating uh, uh, move of the table of the cards, uh, Dr. McCullough? I think they're much more likely since all the big entities are complicit with the vaccine agenda. I think it's more likely they just raise rates on everybody. So we have to pay for all this. <laughs> you're right. You're so right. You're more realistic than I was. Uh, Dr. M Dr. Um, Malia uh, uh, Lewis, uh, I recently learned, uh, learned of an otherwise healthy 10-year-old boy diagnosed with MS following COVID vaccine. Typically, this diagnosis for a young boy is unheard of. Are you seeing a rise in pediatric MS post-vax? Uh, the family is devastated and looking for direction and answers. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Love your shows and insight and critical thinking. Thank you. This is the first I've heard of it. However, there are multifocal neurologic syndromes related to the vaccines. And it's because as the lipid nanoparticles enter the brain and deliver the messenger RNA or the adenoviral DNA, it all depends on where the delivery is and then the production of the spike protein. So it may in a sense, kind of spray the, uh, the cerebellum, the cerebral cortex, the brainstem. And so the hallmark of multiple sclerosis is uh, multiple different areas in the brain that are being damaged that, that don't connect with one another. That's the hallmark. And that would fit some of these vaccine-induced neurologic uh, syndromes. What has not been done is actually matching up the characteristic MRI findings of multiple sclerosis or the cerebral spinal fluid, that work needs to be done. But could a vaccine cause a mimic of multiple sclerosis? I would say yes. Okay. Uh, John uh, says, my sister-in-law, a nurse, died on October 7th after receiving the COVID and the booster shots. Now, this is more of a legal question, but I wanted people to hear it just the same. 
can my brother sue? If so, how and how? Of course, we're not attorneys here, but I just want people to hear his sister-in-law, a nurse died after receiving the COVID and the booster shots. Can my brother sue? Back to what we were just talking about. Well, I can't render a legal opinion. You know, there's a liability shield uh, for the manufacturers right now until that shield is somehow broken. The thought is that at least with the Pfizer release of documents, they committed fraud. And if they committed fraud, the liability shield should drop and they should start paying. Senator Ron Johnson is pushing for uh, vaccine compensation for people who have been injured. Uh, I did interview Dr. Adipal in Thailand. He said that you know they actually have a compensation program in Thailand. What I would say is this, is the most culpable entity in a vaccine death is the, the, the group or the company that forced the vaccination. In this case, it may have been the hospital that forced the nurse to take the vaccine. That would be the group to attempt to go after. Okay. All right. This one's from uh, Suze, uh, Stacy, rather. Stacy, I got COVID back in June of 2020, and in March of 21, I received the first Pfizer jab. I, I've had myalgia in my lower legs ever since. Uh, never had issues before. Did get an ultrasound on my legs in April of 21. No blood clots. Is there anything else I can do? Is there any way to get the spike protein out of my body? Uh, how does having COVID first naturally and then getting the jab just one affect my body? Multiple studies show if you've already had COVID and you take the vaccine ill-advised, there's more side effects. Raw Kramer Methudius has been on our website for a long time. Uh, remember, the vaccines are only indicated to prevent COVID if you haven't had it. Once you've had the illness, it's too late for the vaccine. This case, like so many, the people know that and they're being forced into the vaccine, now suffering the side effects. No known way of getting the spike protein out of the body. It probably is spike protein deposition causing symptoms. Go to the flcc.net website. They've just posted a recent vaccine injury general recovery protocol. It does rely on nutraceutical supplements and other interventions. Okay. Um, now, one other real quick point, get on to some other very interesting questions here, but I want to ask you, uh, I want to tell listeners, first of all, there is an ebook I want to encourage you to get. It is free. It is on the platform. When you go to americaoutloud.com, there's a, a banner ad there for Genesis of Fogger. Uh, you can click that and get the, the ebook is fabulous. Absolutely fantastic. It is loaded with information and links about HOCL, which is a very powerful tool to kill pathogens of any kind. Now, what I want to ask you, Dr. McCullough, with the scare of monkeypox, which we start at the top of the program coming out and these other uh, potential uh, challenges that are being thrown at us uh, time and time again here. The Genesis Fargo, which uses the HOCL to, to disperse it into the room here, how does that change anything? Is it a helpful product according with these kinds of things and stories we're talking about? It is. In the case of the patient who had monkeypox in Dallas in the paper by Rao and colleagues, MMWR, uh, April 22nd, 2022 edition, they mentioned that once they put him in the hospital here in Dallas, they had to go fumigate his house. Well, how did they fumigate it? They actually fumigated it with a device such as the Genesis Fogger, that wow. using HOCL, it actually does kill the pathogens in the air and on surfaces. So that's a wave. You know, there may be flight attendants listening, other people who just have a ton of contact, and they're very concerned 
about their health, those particularly immunocompromised and those uh, who are listening who are on uh, long-term corticosteroids, immunosuppressants, they've had organ transplant, they're susceptible not only to SARS-CoV-2 or to monkeypox or other viral, but they're also susceptible to MAC, to fungal spores and other pathogens. There, the, um, the Genesis Fogger can play a real role in the household trying to improve the overall um, uh, cleanliness and healthiness of the air and surfaces where pathogens can lie. There's no doubt about it. I, I just, I didn't know what you just shared, but that was so valuable, that information. But, you know, even mold and problems like that, the, it's just where it's an unhealthy environment, that is the key. And I had a personal experience with that years ago. It's devastating what it does to the body because uh, I've seen loved ones go through some real challenges there. So, this is a product whose time has come, I, I believe, and should be a household item as soon as this Genesis Fogger. Uh, I want to mention our listeners get 15% off that Fogger. Use the code out loud is always the key, my friends. Click the banner ad is another way to get there back at americaoutloud.com for the Genesis Fogger. But the, the key to the Fogger is H-O-C-L to be sure with you. This is a tremendous product. That ebook is free. Now, we all need to be educated a little bit more. That ebook will educate you on everything you want to know about it. And then you can make your own decision on what to do. And that's our whole purpose here. And then you, you go from, uh, from there. Uh, Malcolm, I want to, Malcolm, I wanted to say one more word about the Genesis Fogger. I've had some feedback from uh, people in my circles. You know what another really good application of that product is? Small businesses. So small businesses, you know, uh, uh, various uh, types of offices where a lot of people come in, small spaces, yeah. uh, restrooms, not well ventilated. Now, the cleaning staff come at night and a great activity for the cleaning staff is do some fumigation, do some sterilization of the air with the Genesis fogger. So that is an application I see people using in small businesses now. All right. I mean, this is, as you hear the conversation with Dr. McCullough, this is all very impromptu. I mean, none, we just you know, get on here and give you the stories and the truth of what we see out here. But it's tremendous. I mean, the products we talked to are just tremendous. I mean, the change it makes in life uh, cannot be understated here and the benefits to all of us here. Uh, that HOCL is just powerful, powerful. I, I'm just really impressed with everything I see. The fogger disperses it through the environment, like Dr. McCullough just said, small businesses, your homes, rooms, anywhere at all. It just cleans that whole environment. And it's so important. We have that peace of mind, uh, really, the, so we don't have the fear factor. Uh, real quick, quick pause here just to hear that. We'll be right back with you at Promises Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. 
That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Are you tired of being tired? Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cells REM Sleep Supplement. These are pill-free supplements in a gel pack. They're so easy to take before you go to bed. I'm so tired during the day now, working so hard, but restless at the same time. I'm going to take a healthy cell before sleep tonight so I can restore my REM sleep and wake up refreshed. Now go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD for a 20% off your first order of any product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse here. It is uh, Malcolm Out Loud along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, going to push through now some more questions to get as many as we can. And this has been a tremendous um, uh, program today. So uh, this one is from uh, Demetra. If you're unvaccinated and have had COVID, are you at higher risk for blood clots, heart issues, etc., as a vaccinated person? You're actually at lower risk. So I think that those who have taken the vaccine, they're already loaded with spike protein, then they get the infection. That's where we're seeing higher complications. I've seen it in my practice. Now, a de novo patient who's unvaccinated, they've never been exposed to the spike protein. The key is to treat early, limit exposure to the viral spike protein and not end up with a blood clot or damage. Okay. This one's from a pre-op. Uh, is it possible to see COVID-19 visually through a microscope or is it invisible? It's invisible, although the virions in their packets have been shown on electron microscopy in a paper by Caldas and colleagues, C-A-L-D-A-S. People have said, oh, it doesn't exist. It's never been isolated. Well, we don't isolate viruses like we do bacteria, uh, but I can tell you the virus is real. The Chinese actually use a killed viral vaccine that's called the CoronaVac or Sinovac vaccine. And then Caldas and others have done a good job showing it under electron microscopy. Okay. Sheila says, my college daughter came home two months post booster. Now uh, I'm having heart palpitations, she says, and my son has sore throats. Uh, how dangerous is the shedding? Are there any studies on this? You know, there still has never been a study proving shedding. Uh, there's been one that's come out making the claim. I, I don't think it's strong enough. I would think two months after a shot, it's unrelated. Okay. All right. Carrie says, Dr. McCullough, I just read on MedPage that they are saying a good majority of current transmission of COVID is from asymptomatic people. You have said there are not many cases of asymptomatic spread. There ha this has been my argument of the whole mask wearing debate debacle is that they made us afraid of something not showing symptoms. So wear your mask all the time. So do you still support that there is little asymptomatic spread? MedPage is uh, a fraudulent and uh, completely incorrect source of information. They're actually spreading misinformation uh, intentionally. They're under legal 
uh, proceedings right now. I would uh, discard anything you get from MedPage today. Wow. Thank you for that. I did not know that, brother. Wow. Uh, and yet a lot of information is being given. Wow. That's, that's remarkable information there. Um, Susan says, I'm a 69-year-old retired RN living in Florida. I believe that there was something wrong early in the COVID pandemic. I got prophylactically hydroxychloroquine from the America Frontline Doctors. I take one pill one time a week. I have not been vaccinated, have not had COVID, ha have a negative antibody test. I've assisted COVID patients in their homes, continued activities, including volunteer at schools, and only wear a, a mask if required, but don't otherwise. Is there any reason to discontinue the hydroxychloroquine? Wow. That's an interesting case. You know, the prophylactic dose is one tablet twice a day, one day a week. That was the original uh, country of India Medical Council prophylactic regimen. And then in uh, papers and studies done by Dr. Raphael Stricker, they've demonstrated that one twice a day, once a week is the preventive dose. Hydroxychloroquine may be providing some protection in this case. I think this person is naturally protected uh, because of a favorable microbiome or prior uh, cross uh, protection from other coronaviruses. It sounds like she's out getting a lot of exposure to people. Remember the most protected people in society have been school teachers, daycare workers, nurses, and others, because they have so much exposure to other coronaviruses. Wow. All right. That's, that's, that's good. It's good. I'm going to get this one last one in from Dr. Naomi Thompson, Dr. Naomi. I'm a primary care physician working in an immediate care, and I've been seeing a lot of chest pain patients in the wake of COVID vaccines. Is it reasonable to work up a perimyocarditis outpatient and how would you go about that? Recently, I saw a young male, low ACS risk, low PERC come in with chest pain for a couple of months after COVID booster, EKG was normal. Iototropin uh, inflammatory level CBC outpatient. His troponin came back high. He was sent to the ED and hospitalized for three days for heart inflammation per uh, PT. Is there a way to do this workup safely without sending to ED? Yes, I think there is. I'm doing that in my practice. I think if uh, we don't suspect coronary disease, it's a young person and it fits the clinical scenario of myopericarditis as in this case. So uh, non-exertional chest pain, uh, elevations in troponin BMP, ST2, galactin-3, EKG changes that are diffuse ST segment changes, and then echo or MRI that's supportive. I manage these completely as an outpatient. I think the only indications to admit somebody are uh, large pericardial effusions that are uh, with impending pericardial tamponade or evidence of myocardial infarction or arrhythmias that uh, could be life-threatening. But otherwise, I think it can be managed as an outpatient. I do recognize that the papers by Hogue Trong, and even the original CDC reports on myocarditis, the majority are hospitalized. But I do agree with the sentiment of the doctor who just uh, is, gave that question. There are so many cases of myocarditis, we're going to need to come up with outpatient management strategies. Mm. Well, there you go, Dr. Naomi Thompson. There you go. And um, what a tremendous uh, program of information. I, I could not be more pleased. This last hour was incredible here. Uh, again, uh, thank you for joining us on the mission here, friends, and uh, to join Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, yours truly here. It is a pleasure to be with you. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe, be positive, and uh, we'll continue to fight fear, right, in the battle of good and evil. Uh, thank you for joining us here on America Out Loud Pulse. We are always a beat ahead. <laughs>